very small thing that I should be judged by you the one who is I do not even judge myself, for I know nothing against myself, that I am not justified by it. But he who judges me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the appointed time unto the Lord. He will bring the light to the hidden things of darkness and will reveal the purposes of the heart. Okay. Um, so Paul says, here's how you need to look at this. Now they're elevating and following after men. But, but that's focusing on the wrong thing. They're focusing on men and not God. On their style and not the content he described. He says, you all look at us as servants, as stewards. Uh, this word servant wasn't the word for slave. It originally referred to the under rower on a galley of a ship. And then came to me any kind of a servant, somebody who obeyed the orders of someone else. He said, we're servants, we're subordinate to Christ, we do what he tells us. Not like we have a will of our own. Don't make us out to be more than what we are. We're just servants. We're stewards. The steward is like entrusted with something to guard or to use for someone. Well, Paul and the apostles have been entrusted with the message of the gospel, the mystery that something had not been revealed and now is being revealed. They've been given that and they're responsible to, to, to do what God says to with that message, which what, what God told them to do was to declare it, was to reveal it. Now, if you're a steward, there's one important thing that you must have, one quality you need, and that is faithfulness, trustworthiness. That's not especially glamorous, but it's like a messenger boy. I mean, you know, we have email and texting and a zillion other things. Messengers are not especially useful to us, but they were. And think about back in the day when you transmitted a message by a messenger. What kind of a messenger would you like to have? You know, well, you want to have one that faithfully transmits the message, right? I mean, is that what you want? Do you want to create a messenger? Do you want one that kind of doctors up the message and, you know, kind of, kind of gives it some zing or wang or whatever? It would be like a pharmacist who makes some self-devised improvements in the prescription the doctor gave you. Is that the kind of pharmacist you want? I have a great pharmacist. I'll give you some stuff. Will to make you feel good? <laughs> you would like a faithful pharmacist. You wanted to put in exactly the ingredients the doctor ordered. That's not especially impressive, but that's what a steward's supposed to be. He's supposed to follow orders. Paul says that's me. You know, if I'm any good at my job, it's because I just do what he tells me. You know, so the criteria of success is not eloquence or wisdom or success or popularity or personality. It's not to be creative but obedient, not to be innovative but faithful. You know, so if you're going to judge Paul properly, the criteria he can be evaluated on is one. Does he do what he's told? That's it. So he, God gave him a message. He said, tell it. If he tells it right, tells it the way God gave it to him, then he's good. 
That's all there is to it. So, who is the one who evaluates Paul? Well, verse 3, not there. It says, to me it's a very small thing that I may be examined by you. Or by any human court. They didn't send Paul. They didn't give him the message. He's not their steward. Their opinion about his, you know, how he does his job, really doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. And so, it doesn't matter about pleasing them. Don't take a poll to figure out what to say or do. Think about a preacher and evangelist. Who does a preacher work for? God. He does not work for the church. Now, a church might decide to quit paying him. A church might say, we don't want your preachers. But there's no church that a preacher ultimately answers to, or any of the rest of us. We answer the Lord, and what we better do is be faithful to Him. Whatever He says, He's the Master. There is no human being that is. So don't put a lot of effort into trying to measure up to other people's standards. Paul didn't. He wasn't trying to be what the Corinthians wanted him to be. He was trying to be what the Lord wanted him to be. That's all that matters. Forget about the rest of it. And Paul says, I would even examine myself. I don't, I'm not conscious of anything against myself. But that doesn't acquit me. The one who examines me is the Lord. We do need to keep a clear conscience. That's true. But we have a lot of ability to rationalize and deceive ourselves. And so we are not ultimately acquitted just because we think we're right. Quit trying to rate yourself. Focus on the Lord. Please Him. Let Him be the judge and the evaluator. He's the only one who can. Really, who else is qualified to assess someone's spiritual condition? I mean, he said, don't go out passing judgment before the time. But wait till the Lord comes who will both bring to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motives of each man's heart. Only the Lord would have the ability to know the secret deeds, to tell the motives. Men can't do that. And, and, and so the only time that praise or condemnation can ultimately be given is in the last day of the judgment. Because only then will the full truth be known. There are people who do a really skilled job of deceiving others. I remember in my adolescence, a preacher who I had a lot of respect for. He turned out to be a scoundrel, a womanizer, other things. I was really disappointed. I really thought a lot of him. You know, some people are good at hiding that. I knew it for quite a while before I had any idea. It doesn't matter how well you can hide. God sees everything. So if you manage to impress people because they don't really know you, because you've been so good at covering it up, one day all the secrets will be wide open and nothing will be covered up. That's what the judgment is. Thoughts and comments.
Yes. Yeah. I think that's important. Uh, back when we were talking about Christ is the only foundation, but we don't put another foundation as a person. We don't trust them with people. Um, you know, but that's not what we're looking to. When you build, you know, each stone it looks down to the foundation. That's what you when you know to place those in it because we don't know where that rock is. We don't know if it's going to be burned up in the fire. And it's those people who are deceiving others. But we don't follow them. We follow Christ. And when we follow Christ, we'll know where to put our stone in. Amen. Good points. Other thoughts? Okay. Uh, 6 to 13. Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively applied to myself and Apollos for your sakes, so that in us you may learn not to exceed what is written so that no one of you will become arrogant in behalf of one against the other. For who regards you as superior? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as if though you had not received it? You are already filled. You have already become rich. You have become kings without us. And indeed, I wish that you had become kings so that we might also reign with you. For I think God has exhibited us apostles last of all, as men condemned to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are prudent in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are without honor. To this present hour, we are both hungry and thirsty, and are poorly clothed, roughly treated, and are homeless. And we toil, working with our own hands. When we are reviled, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure. When we are slandered, we try to conciliate. We have become as the scum of the world, the dregs of all things, even until now. So, Paul is saying that, that he's been talking about himself in a pocket. But he's not just talking about them. You know, they're kind of illustrations of the idea that we shouldn't follow after anybody. We shouldn't elevate anybody beyond what's written. You know, we ought to recognize we should only boast in the Lord that human wisdom, and like we've been saying, human beings are only worth so much. And so stop competing with each other, stop exalting ourselves, stop exalting other people. Come to think of ourselves and each other in, in God-centered terms. None of us are that person. No, we're all totally dependent on the Lord. Whatever we have, whoever we are, is because of God. Don't, don't have this over-inflated uh, opinion of yourselves or anyone else. Look at verse 7. Who regards you as superior? What do you have that you did not receive? If you did receive it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Now think about it the difference between an achievement and a gift. If you earned it, you worked for it, by your abilities you pulled yourself up, you pat yourself on the back. What if you just got it as a gift? It's not quite the same thing, don't you think? It's somewhat humbling to receive the gift. You know, sometimes we don't see that. Sometimes we think we did it. I've used this for other purposes, but 
comes to my mind, it seems to fit in pretty well right now. Uh, they did a commercial in the Super Bowl several years ago. I just watched it on YouTube afterwards. I didn't watch the Super Bowl, but people told me about it, so I looked it up. I don't remember anything about what it was advertising. It's not the way that usually goes. But, uh, but this boy, maybe six, seven years old, had this wand, and he was pretending to be like Darth Vader or something. I don't know. And, and zapping stuff. You know, you know, whatever. I don't remember even what it looked like exactly. But, but, but he zapped the car in the garage. And his dad was behind him and he didn't know it with the remote. The dad started the car when he zapped it. It freaked the kid out. You know, he thought he'd done it. Aren't we like that? How many times did we think we were the ones that did it? And the Lord's shaking his head and thinking, whoa, you don't realize it was not you. You know, and some people were born on third base and they think they hit a triple. You know? Look at, look at, you think you've done it? You know, don't brag about where you're at as if it was your own achievement. And then he, very ironically, makes these contrasts. You know, you've already been filled. You've already become rich. You've become kings without us. Wish you had become kings. We'd like to reign with you. You know, they, he's, he's contrasting very imagined attainments. With where the apostles truly are, he said, what a pity that your unenlightened teachers couldn't share in this high status with you. You already enjoy what we only hope for. You know, we piggyback on you if we could. You know, by contrast, look at verse 9. How, how powerful this is. I think God has exhibited us apostles last of all. Men condemned to death. Spectacle of the world, both the angels and the men. You know, they were like gladiators, a spectator, a spectator, a spectacle in the theater. You know, and, and, and he, everything Paul did was for the Lord, and so it ended up not impressive. You know, he was a fool for Christ's sake. You know, he was weak for Christ. He was without honor for Christ. I mean, the Corinthians are all fighting and quarreling for this rivalry, trying to, you know, become impressive and important, and Paul had given all that up for the Lord. He did nothing to try to exalt himself. Um, and, and, and so he says, look at verse 11, to this present hour, we are both hungry and thirsty, poorly clothed, roughly treated, homeless. Have you thought about what Paul went through? We see it all over him his writings. But look at verse 11 and just think about it. Are you willing to go through that? How would that be if for the sake of the Lord you were hungry, thirsty, poorly clothed, roughly treated, and homeless, working with his hands, reviling, being reviling blessed, being persecuted and endured, being slammed and reconciliated, we become as the scum of the world, the dregs of all things even until now. Paul was the scum. You know what that word means? It's like the, the stuff that comes off of the dishes when you wash them. The stuff that comes off the shoes when you clean them. That's, that's, the kind of, that's what he's using, that, 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 that kind of a word. You know, we're just the trash. So think about what that means. This is against this success mentality, this superiority mentality. I mean, Paul, any, any church in America hire Paul to preach if he were here right now? I mean, think about 
I don't know a preacher who's had as many run-ins with the law as what Paul had. had. You know, or had any less skills that we like in preaching. You know, respectable citizens usually have residences and appropriate insurance policies and licenses and whatever. There's nothing very respectable in the world that says about Paul. But, you know, it is amazing to me how much self-pity we feel over how hard a time we have it. And you don't know what I'm going through. I don't. I've been so blessed. But I'll tell you what Paul did. Would you look him in the face and say, you just have any idea how I'm going to? You think about it. What are the things that are just dragging you down and burdening you so much and are just so hard about being a Christian? I've got a friend that I love very much in Brazil that I'm working with a ton right now. He's an adolescent. But he got upset the other day with me because I was pushing him pretty hard to read the Bible. Where he said, "Well, I feel like I already, already done so much, and, and and you just like like that's nothing, and, and it just makes me discouraged, makes me feel like I just want to even why well, don't I just give up?" I'm like, "So the great thing you've done so far is when you limited yourself to only being on the computer two hours a day. You think that's the great sacrifice that you know ought to be so you know respected? I mean." Wow, it's amazing. That's what he's talking about. But but it's like, wow, you know, that was a sacrifice, man. We have no idea what sacrifice is. We need to quit feeling sorry for ourselves. Paul throws down the gauntlet for his readers. And he says, if you want to belong to Christ, look at me. You know, this is what it looks like a lot of times. Are we willing? Are we willing to put ourselves on the line and suffer something? What are you going to be waiting for your children to? You know, we, we, we raise our children a lot of times to be self-indulgent. Oh, I don't want them to get hurt. Oh, I wouldn't want them to go overseas, you know. There might be, there might be bad people over there. I wouldn't want them to... Why wouldn't you? What if, what if our children could sacrifice their lives for the cause of Christ? Would there be any greater thing we'd want for our children? Or do, is what we really want a comfortable, convenient Christianity that just pleases us? We like this idea of having a nice family and a nice suburb with a nice church some nice friends to do some nice things in our life. Is that the kind of dedication and commitment that we see from Paul? I, I just, it just humbles us to this present hour we are both hungry and thirsty and are poorly clothed and roughly treated, homeless. We're the scum of the world. We're the dregs of all things. We may endure some things, but we can't. Jesus did. What a blessing to be the scum of the world if it glorifies the Lord. Thoughts and comments? Yes, question. In verse 6, we talk about not going beyond or exceeding how it is written. Um, what are you thinking of exactly? What, how it goes beyond? How does that relate to the rhetoric of not aligning yourself to men? You know, I mean, I 
speaking things like, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever, I will set aside in 119. Let him who boasts boast in the Lord in 131. You know, he catches the one, here's the one who catches the wise and the craftiness in 319. We got, what he's written is, don't exalt men, don't think of yourself so highly, boast in the Lord. I think it's probably a bad idea. Good question. Alright, we are going to take a break. Before we do that, we're going to have a prayer. I thought this might be a perfect time to uh, reflect for a moment. Um, and when we come back from the break, we're going to do a song segment. But I, I, I just think these are wonderful things. Thank you so much for uh, your attention. Uh, after the prayer, we'll take about a 15-minute break.